Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to Setting the Standard. Along with Olivia Gillespie, I'm Raymond Johnson. Olivia, even though there are 12 sets of content area standards that we oversee across the Office of Standards and Instructional Support, the two sets that we work with directly for mathematics for me and reading, writing, and communicating for you seem to get the most attention. Yes. Yes, they do. Especially when it thinks about our kind of our accountability, our graduation requirements. Yes. And we often see that as rather unfair, right? Because as students, we enjoyed more than just those two content areas. And we hope our students now have an opportunity to engage in more than just those two content areas. Absolutely. I think the reason why we also think that way is because we see the importance of the other content areas and how they support students in our particular content areas. Like you can't do reading, writing, and communicating without social studies, without science, even without math. I mean, all of them play a role. The arts, comprehensive health, PE, every single one of them play a role in improving literacy. But I kind of get the accountability perspective. If nothing more than maybe just an efficiency argument, people want to know if our students can communicate. So they look to your content area. They want to know if they can reason. And they see math as some sort of distilled form of reasoning and we can measure it. Mm -hmm. And so we end up with these tests with just just these two content areas. Uh, Sometimes more, but typically not a lot more than those two content areas. But we were at a meeting some months ago, and the meeting was hosted by people in our post-secondary and workforce readiness office. And they posed a question to us that got me thinking about the way we normally see if students are ready to graduate from high school. And the question they posed was, how did you know you were ready to graduate from high school? And as we went around the room, and you were there with me, There were all sorts of interesting answers. Some people based it purely in academics. Some people talked about it in terms of like, I was just bored with high school and I knew I was ready to be done. But I know we had some contrasting answers ourselves. So, so if I pose that question to you, Olivia, what was it that, at what point in high school did you say, yeah, I'm ready to graduate? The point that I think I was ready to graduate would be senior year, but just to provide a little bit of context, I had the non-traditional high school career, right? I was the bad kid, the kid that was in gangs, the kid that was getting kicked out, ditching, doing all of those things that we would advise now as parents and as educators, please don't follow that path, right? Um, so that was me. And so senior year became the aha moment because I woke up and realized that I was not in the position to graduate according to DPS graduation requirements, right? I was short in credits. I'm short on certain classes because, again, I spent the first three years getting kicked out, ditching, doing all of those things that we would advise kids not to do. Um, And then senior year hit me after a counselor was like, really, you want to spend another year in high school? And I was like, no, like, oh, my God, what have I been doing for three years? And now here's my fourth year. And so that that year it was okay. You know what? You can no longer keep acting like this person, right? You you got to have some maturity. Yes, there was some trauma. There was a lot of things that happened that this segment is not long enough to go into detail about. But even with that, it became, do you continue? Do you want to continue down this path? And so for me, it was like, oh crap, I need to have 240 credits in all of these different buckets. I did already, I knew what to expect in high school, Raymond. I mean, I didn't enter in high school with like naive or anything like that because 
I had older siblings. Matter of fact, my brother was a senior at the same high school, right? So I already knew the high school requirements. I already knew what my school's expectation was, right? It was expectation in my family. I was walking in to be in the valedictorian. That's what I was going to do. And it just didn't happen that way. But when senior year happened, yeah, that's what it did for me. It was just like, okay, you, you're about to be 18. It's time to grow up. Do you really want to go to college? Even though your grades are not good enough to go to college, what is your plan moving forward? Is this where you want to end up when you see your friends, when you see what's happened? Do you want to end up like that? So that for me became that moment of, aha, I need to, I, I, I'm ready to graduate now. I'm ready to actually buckle down, do what it is that I need to do because I will no longer have those excuses because I'm getting ready to turn 18. And those things you get away with before 18, you cannot get away with after 18. You have got to grow up at some point. And so at that moment, I started to have conversations with counselors and teachers and the principal and everybody else to get on track, right? And then relying on those people that were my support system to kind of give me that swift, you know, kick in the barrière to say, let's do it. So that's how I knew I was ready. It, it didn't come because you know, I followed the plan. It came because I realized that, oh, my God, if I don't do something different, I am going to live a life of incarceration. I'm going to live a life that might eventually get me killed. I'm a, I'm going to this is going to be my future. And so at that moment, yeah, I needed to I needed to graduate and start my life the way that it was always meant to be. Right. But I just detoured in high school. So I don't know. How about you? How did you know you were ready, Raymond? to graduate high school? Uh, I think compared to yours, you said yours was the non-traditional route. I think mine was far more traditional. You know, even though I grew up in a family where my dad had graduated from high school, but my mom had not, but I had an older sister who graduated. So similar to you, like I had an older sibling. I went to the same school. I knew the path towards graduation. Academics were not particularly a concern for me. Um, And I say that, let me let me rephrase that. Like I was strong academically, so it wasn't a, a matter of worrying about whether I was going to pass mm-hmm. classes or not. Uh, in fact, I remember I was part of a program that they had us take the ACT test in middle school, and I got yeah. a score on the ACT that qualified mm-hmm. me to go to the junior college in town. And thought, oh, if I'm already getting a score that colleges say are good enough, then academically I must have something going for me. But I think there were so many other ways and that maybe I wasn't ready. You know, it's not like I was some child prodigy that was ready to graduate from high school when they were 12 years old. And I do believe right. students like that mm-hmm. exist, but but they're pretty rare. It's cool that we mm-hmm. celebrate them when we find them. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of maturing that has to go on uh, between the ages of, you know, 12 and 18 and uh, some of us mature more quickly than others. Some of them, some of us have moments of reckoning, like <laughs> like you did, mm-hmm. where you just you don't know exactly what your future is going to be. But I also, you know, when it came time to start applying to colleges, my sister had gone to college, but I was too young to to really remember how that process looked for her. And so I, I was really thankful that the uh, the high school counselors at our school. I remember being called to the counselor's office out of the blue, and one of them had seen my ACT score and said, hey, you know, you scored well on this thing. Let's sit down and let's find you some ways to to go to college. Because uh, they knew my parents didn't have much money. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I wasn't, um, I 
you know, I was going to be a first generation college student. That's a phrase I don't think I heard until I got into graduate school. But but they knew that, you know, I might need a little help in filling out some applications and knowing about scholarships. And, and thanks to them, they, they really did set me up for, uh, for, you know, not just graduating high school, but but going on to college and having a really mm-hmm. nice experience there. Wow. So, see, that's a little different for me. Right. I mean, I I had I wasn't the first generation college student. You know, my mom had college. Um, my sister was in college at that point. You know, I had other cousins and uncles and aunties got degrees, you know, master's degrees, PhDs. So I knew that part, Raymond. Right. But mine's was the maturity level. Right. Mine's was not being able to handle the trauma. Right. Because you have this plan. And so when you have this plan, like this is how it's going to go out. Like I mentioned, you know, I was going to be not only a valedictorian, I was going to be the first African-American valedictorian in my school's history. That was my goal. I had co- I had high school credit going into high school from taking high school math in eighth grade. So I, I was already set up with all the honors classes and, oh, this is your trajectory. But when life hit me, I was not prepared for that piece, right? And that derailed me because I began to act out in a negative way, right? As opposed to and even I didn't want to hear when other people were trying to tell me, like, here's a way, like, you know, how to deal with it this way or how to deal with it that way. I didn't want to hear all of that because I was just so angry. So, like, even thinking about that, I mean, with this question, Raymond, it's just like it's not just that academic piece. And I think that's so great that you brought out about that maturity, about that social piece. Like you had no worries when it came to academics. I didn't have any worries either academically. It became a worry academically because I was not handling the bit my business in the classroom. Right. With my academics because of all the other stuff. I think that's another factor that we don't think about when we're talking about, but we can only control graduation requirements, right? You have to have this much English, this much math, this much social studies, science, PE. We can only control that. We can't control the other pieces that a student may encounter throughout that. And I think as far as graduation requirements, we can't factor all of that in. It's just, we have to have a a formula, a plan, a prescription, whatever word you wanna use to say, this is what, you need to do in order to graduate high school. But I don't think people think about the financial piece, right? All the time. I don't think you think about, you need to have this social, emotional well-being. You need to have a level of maturity in order to graduate high school, whether you're going off to college or you're going to the military, because that's what I want to do. I wanted to go to the military, right? Um, But I chose not to go to the military, figure that one out. So it was like all these different pathways that we can choose and I don't know necessarily if every student always knows, like, like if they could answer that question. Like if we pose that to high school students right now, like if I pose that to my daughter, would she be able to tell me how if she's ready to graduate? Does she know as, as a sophomore? Do, do you feel like you're, all, you're getting there to the point where you are getting ready to graduate? Like, like, I don't know how that would look to a high school senior, right? So I think that's a really good point that you brought out. Right. And, and I have to admit, I... You know, I grew up rural working class in a rural working class town. It still strikes me as strange to hear people say when my parents went to college, because that's not a phrase I heard growing up. Wow. You know, it, it was a small town. People mm-hmm. either, you know, worked at the at the meatpacking plant like my father did or, you know, retail job downtown or out on the farm somewhere. And it just, uh, you know, other than the, my friends whose parents were teachers, you know, mm-hmm. That was the bulk of the college-educated people in town. But I fit in with the majority in a lot of ways. And in my spare time, I had things like um, Boy Scouts and music that gave me leadership opportunities and kept me busy. And I've never been one usually to stray too far from the prescribed path. 
it was interesting that you 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 asked the question like had we been asked the question at the time how would we have answered because now mm-hmm. both of us we've been educators for 20 years or more we've had students of our own that you can see you know even hearing your story you've got you've been reminding me of a student that I had who uh, I had him on his third different trip to high school he had dropped out twice come back mm-hmm. both times and just said you know he got fed up with school he quit then he'd sit at home, wonder what was happening with his life, and he'd come back. And then he'd mm-hmm. get fed up with something else, and he'd quit. And then he'd come back. And, you know, we see these students with a certain amount of perspective later on. But, you know, it's one thing just to manage the academics of graduating from high school. Mm-hmm. But there's also sort of the sense of accomplishment and and the show of dedication. So, so the, the follow-up question I have for you is – what is it about graduating from high school that still provides us with something that we do today? Like, how does it set us up to be the citizens we are, the employees we are, the parents we are, the uh, the educators we turned out to be? So, mm-hmm. so what do you think about it for you? You know what, actually, Raymond, even though it was non-traditional and it was not what I would prescribe for my daughter to take the path that I took, I, I'm so grateful for that experience because I think that's what shaped me to be the parent, the educator, the leader, the citizen, all of those things, understanding that people make mistakes, right? Sometimes you do lose your way. And we know this being educators, we like you just brought up that one student, right? I we, We've had several students that may not have went the way we wanted them to go, but I think that patience and that understanding, that compassion and that experience to say, hey, I was you, right? I was I was that kid. For me, I was that kid that made some bad decisions, right? That made some bad choices, didn't handle something another way, made some excuses, you know, for my behavior and justifications. But I think what that that high school experience that I I will always carry that with me because it helps me to interact with people and to understand that just because they don't go the expected way does not mean that like what they're bad people or they're not in they they're not intelligent or they they don't have something of value within them and i think that that's what you bring to the table especially in our position as state leaders right we see, we know this happens every single day this is this is our citizenry right this is this is what it means to be a citizen we're going to have some some mistakes this is what it means to be an adult that maturity that growing process so i think like for me I I look at it like I'm going to make some mistakes, even as a leader, right? I'm going to make some mistakes as an educator. I'm definitely going to make mistakes as a parent, right? But give myself some grace. That same grace that the 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old Olivia, right? You know, that person needed grace. So does the 45-year-old Olivia. And everybody that I work with, we all need that grace because we're not going to do it perfectly the first time. We just need grace. I I don't even know how to sum it up other than that. We just need the grace to make those mistakes, be allowed to have that second chance. And sometimes it might be that third or fourth or fifth opportunity like it was for me. But you just don't throw people away because they make that mistake. You try to understand why, where that mistake came from. Why did they think that way? And you help to provide that guidance around. And you, 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 you just... You just have to do that. I mean, with people, and I think that's what high school taught me 
was that even in all of that, you know, they still gave me an opportunity to graduate, right? They didn't just throw me out, right? They, and I'll be honest, they tried, okay? I got kicked out of high school a couple of times, right? You know what I'm saying? I'll be very honest about that. You know, my mom had to go get me reinstated into Denver Public Schools twice, you know, but they could have just said, we don't want her here anymore. Send her some other district, some other school. They didn't do that. They was like, okay, we're going to do it. And we're going to, we're going to work with her. And if they didn't work with me, where would I be right now? I don't know. And I think sometimes we just have to have that as human beings. Sometimes you have to work with people, right? They're not going to get it the first 20 times. They may not get it until the 115th time, but give them those 114 times to make those mistakes. And then you never know the light bulb comes on and you're like, whoa, because I bet you if somebody you would go back and ask the old teachers or old administrators or those people that knew me back then and go, Oh my God, talk to, talk about her then and then look at her now. Woo, it is really night and day. And I think that that's what we have to bring to the table in the line of work that we do as educators because, I mean, this is this is our kids. That's the growing pains of, of humanity, right? I mean, I don't know. How, how would you answer that question, Raymond? Uh, you know, both of us, we work with professional organizations. We work with teachers. We work with district leaders. And... You know, I see this in some of the, the math organizations that I work in, that people mm-hmm. come to leadership positions in those organizations because they are passionate about math education. They have training and experience to be a math teacher, just like I do. But often in those, those uh, positions, they're asked to do things that are outside their normal responsibilities or skill sets mm-hmm. that they have for teaching and for mathematics. And it's really interesting to me uh, to see them as adult learners. You know, like, what are their communication skills like? What are their project management skills like? Can they handle a budget? How do they advocate for the people that they've been elected to represent and so on? Because these are things that we're not necessarily teaching very explicitly. You know, it's, it, mm-hmm. it's not what we're measuring on the SAT, for sure. No. But... You know, when I think back to my own experiences, I've joked with people that, you know, about half my job relies on me getting a PhD in math education. And then the other half relies on experiences I had in the Boy Scouts leading other kids and just knowing how to set up a meeting and order lunch Mm -hmm. and come home from a camp out with everyone still alive. You know, I had some of those opportunities uh, early on. To, to kind of learn how to organize and communicate and schedule and, and, and lead things. And it's interesting to work with adults who, you know, I'm still building on my skills and I get more opportunities now. Um, I certainly mm-hmm. did working on big grant funded projects in graduate school. And now I get more opportunities here at the state. But when you see a newly elected classroom teacher, you know, coming onto a board of directors and being asked to contribute to a project, you know, for some of them, this is one of their earlier opportunities to really show leadership in their field. And, you know, some are, le- some are very eager to learn. Some are a little timid about certain things as they try to, you know, navigate and negotiate what mm-hmm. things that they are responsible for and how they want to go about doing them. I don't know. It, it adds richness to an organization for sure to have people come in with a variety of experiences and, and it pr- places a lot of importance on professional learning. And we tried to do that in our own office just this morning. We were talking about, you know, when we're going to get started with a, with a new book study, as we've tried to do over the last few years. You know, we help each other out with technology or proofreading or 
um, or editing or knowing how to mm -hmm. craft messages for particular audiences. That's a big mm -hmm. one that comes up for us because talking to people in a school is a lot different than talking to the state board or if you're asked to talk to the legislature, or talk to the media. Mm -hmm. You know, those are all slightly different skill sets. And so we're all trying to help each other out. But I think sometimes we don't even think about, that was such a profound question because I would have never tied my high school experience to what I do now until you just ask that question to be honest, because like you're talking about the Boy Scouts and I'm thinking about like, you know, you know me, I grew up in church. So like all of the organizations that I did as a young person in church at the state level, region level, at the national level. And then like, I did know how to do budgets. I did know how to put meetings together. I knew Robert's rules and orders. You know, I know bylaws. I know how to write them, like, like all those different things. And then I never really thought about how that experience or that setup being young really set the stage for where I am now, right? And then you brought up something else, Raymond, where you were talking about a newly elected classroom teacher to a board, right? You you bring that lens of, I'm in the classroom, and you never step outside of that, you never think to step outside that lens, at least I didn't at the time, right? To go, wait, I have all these other experiences. I have all of this other, you know, like education is my second career, right? So I was in the financial industry first. So I never thought to fuse that over into education, right? Because it was that compartmentalization, right? Okay, this is education, that's finance. This is two different things until I had to be a school leader. And it was like, oh, wait, no, I have to do deal with budgets again now, right? I don't have to deal with a budget as a classroom teacher unless I'm spending my own money for resources, right? But it was like, oh, now I have to bring all of that in. And then I didn't even think about high school until you just posed that question, Raymond. That is so profound that we, I don't think, a lot of us even think back to high school, especially if you've, you know, been far removed from high school for a long time, like, like me, um, you're like, oh, I didn't even think to like, how did high school shape me? That actually really did shape me. And I would have never thought about that in this role where high school, how high school set me up to be in this state leadership role. So, wow, Raymond, I mean, that was, that's an awesome question. Now I'm it's, like, it's, it's pretty good evidence of, of how, you know, learning is situated. And your learning in the church is such a different situation than learning in school or learning in a profession that sometimes we don't make those connections immediately. Mm -hmm. And in fact, as a teacher, it's really frustrating that students can't just reapply their learning to new situations immediately. Like it, it takes some some practice and some some guidance for, for yeah. that to happen. But um, yeah, this is how people are made, I guess, that it's this culmination of experiences and and learnings and help along the way that, you know, we do our best with our standards documents to describe what it is that people need to know and do. And we have the essential skills, which go beyond the mere content skills, but still education's a bit more complicated than that and a bit more nuanced than that, just because life is, I suppose. And with that, I think we'll wrap up this episode of setting the standard. Uh, if you're teaching out there, we know right now that it's a grind uh, it's exhausting. You're doing your best to make lesson plans and prepare materials for use online. Or even if you're fortunate enough to be back in a school with students, it's still a little extra harder than it would usually be. So I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you join us again next week for another episode of Setting the Standard.